the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on the KDOW app and radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Ron Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. In Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Yesterday, the news came down in a pretty hardcore manner that Fry's Electronics was shutting down. Usually, on the top of the hour of my show, I, I talk about what's happening on the market, what's happening in the big picture of issues, but some days it's just not that important, and some days we need to go into the, a different angle. and. Fry's Electronics was one yesterday that kind of hit a lot of people in the Bay Area. I grew up on the East Coast and in Europe and in Asia, and um, I never really got to experience what Fry's Electronics was all about. To me, it was a very West Coast kind of phenomenon. It's a big box store that specialized in selling electronics for consumers, which is great because on the East Coast and Outside of California, you grow up with this like Silicon Valley. Is it Silicon or Silicon? And is it, it HP? Did they find, did they start in a garage or was it uh, Steve Jobs that started a garage? Ah, it doesn't matter. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? So you kind of have this like beautiful idea of what the West Coast is. It's very romanticized on the East Coast. Yeah, there's earthquakes and there's people who start businesses in their garages, right? So when I came to the Bay Area 20 plus years ago, and one of the first things I, I was like, oh, I need a TV. And they're like, let's go to Fry's. I'm like, wait, wait, what's Fry's? And they're like, it's a big box. It's kind of like a Best Buy, but it's, it's more Californian. And it was headquartered in San Jose. And I actually know some of the founders of Fry's, the, the family. And they've actually flown a few of my good friends to Mexico on a private jet. They lived life well. <laughs> So Fry's is interesting. They had four co-founders, all sons of a very wealthy man named Charles Fry, and those sons are the people that I know. Now, there was kind of a weird business model that happened where there was groceries and computer accessories. And like, wait, wait, 
okay, I get groceries and pharmaceuticals. You're going to get groceries for your family. You may want to pick up uh, painkillers and you may want to pick up your prescription for your blood pressure because your children. <laughs> like, I get I get bastardizing stores. But the concept of Fry's Electronics was the company was founded on people that were comfortable with the grocery industry. So it founded in 1985, concept of big box put in with consumer electronics and what was happening in the Bay Area as far as building computers. First store was in Sunnyvale, California. Benefited from a great location where there was a lot of people who were interested in the world of computers driving right next to a big store that sold computers. So they tried to keep in stock specialty items that were intriguing to keep their business interesting. So when you would go into a Fry's Electronics, you'd be like, okay, I just need a, a mouse and a, keep, a mouse pad. But you'd be like, why is there this big stuffed E.T. doll? And the world was fascinated with E.T. or a big stuffed cabbage hatch doll or a big uh, plush uh, green bean bag that somehow connected to the Internet. And you're like, I just need a mouse and a mouse pad. <laughs> like, why is, why is Why am I being tempted with this? Because they came from a family of groceries. <laughs> Excuse me. It's interesting that Best Buy kind of copied what Fry's did on a national level. But I think they refined it a little bit better. Or maybe Fry's defined it a little bit skewed of Best Buy. Because they started around the same time. The world of electronics had a lot more competitors in the day and age. There was companies called CompUSA, companies called Circuit City. Do you remember them? And Best Buy and Fry's kind of managed to move around them. I don't even want to get into the companies like a home appliance type of company because they're not significant in revenue. But so yesterday I got an email from a friend and he's like, oh, it happened again. The internet killed another one. <laughs> and he was sad because he liked the uniqueness of Fry's. I couldn't care less about Fry's. If I need something, I'm going to contact Amazon, maybe Newegg, maybe Best Buy if I need it in real time. To me, the theme stores were a bit of a shtick. And it didn't grow well and it didn't translate well. The beauty about McDonald's is if you go into a McDonald's in Paris, it's pretty similar to the one in New York City, which is pretty similar to the one in Marin County. Now, I throw in Marin County in large part because when I first got to the Bay Area, I was surprised at how well that Marin forced retailers to make it look like it was a California embedded in the culture kind of thing. <clears throat> but even McDonald's looks like McDonald's and Marin. It tastes like McDonald's. So the consistency of licensing stores has helped companies like McDonald's go universal, where fries is like, every store is going to be different. The store in Santa Clara is going to give, you know, honor to uh, people who started building computers. So you're going to see a lot of like the design inside the store. And it, it's too much. It's like the beauty about Starbucks is they're all pretty utilitarian stores. They try to give that free internet as kind of like, Ooh, come in now. But the stores are pretty much so all the same. They can buy the same furniture for Paris as they do in the United States. 
Fry's is like, screw that. Let's have every store be different. And that business model doesn't work. We know about it from other businesses that failed. Starbucks versus a company like a Caribou Coffee. Caribou Coffee is like, let's make all of our stores look like ski lodges. And that's expensive. Those relic skis that are made out of wood that you wouldn't want on your feet going down a mountain. To build a store around that kind of look is expensive versus a utilitarian approach. So that's how I'm approaching the whole fries thing. Campbell location had an Egyptian theme. People wanted to take me to these stores. It's like, we're so proud of California. Look at this. Um, in Fountain Valley, it had a Roman theme. In San Jose, it had a Mayan theme. Phoenix has an Aztec theme. The problem with it is, is they have a, <clears throat> I almost cursed, too much inventory. And you can imagine what word I was trying to use for too much. Do it! <clears throat> no, I won't do it. They had too much inventory. And that's a problem because inventory is a business lesson that we should all learn. Everything gets smaller, cheaper, faster. And the longer things that in the world of technology that get smaller, cheaper, faster, the prices get cut by a lot. Their marketing was a mess. Um, they worked at one point in time with Denzel Washington, with Bruce Willis, with Arnold Schwarzenegger for using their images without the permission of those celebrities. Like, what company does that? So, Fry's was the man. And again, I know some of their kids. I know, I know them. So, what Fry's did wrong, and I think what's the theme of the segment, was they never got online shopping. They tried to get us there to like look at their Egyptian store, and no one cares. We just need our product, our mouse pad, now. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. The death of Fry's, does it move you, or is it part of the internet roadkill of Amazon? I think it's part of the internet roadkill of Amazon. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW. Unless you have to, why you Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's been a long time coming. It's been an interesting pandemic, to say the least. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well, Mr. Black. How are you? Good. Let's talk about this year, 2021, as we transition from the pandemic year of 2020. The year of the pandemic, the stock markets did well. So you and I are in the business of talking about stock markets from time to time. The S&P 500 is turning out to be a winner-winner chicken dinner, up 5% for the first two months of the year. How is the S&P 500, the, what we refer to as the market, doing compared to other things out there right now? Um, is it telling us anything? Is there anything to be learned from this? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, that's a great return for two months of a year, right? We've got typically a half a year's return in the first two months of the year and a well great said. return last year. 
and it's really the composition of the S&P 500, right? We've, we've talked about this before where it's very tech heavy now, and that's where the revenue growth went when we all started to stay at home and work from home. And the areas that really got hurt last year, like restaurants, travel, leisure, are such a small part of the S&P 500, it didn't really make a big difference in the end. So we've got a good run-up this year. There's 11 sectors in the S&P 500, and when we look at the top performers this year so far, if we look at the energy sector, if you look at an ETF like XLE, it's up 32%, Rob. Financials this year up 13% for the first couple of uh, months of the year. Yeah. On uh, A lot of diversified financials are making money on trading, uh, thought that interest rates will go up a little bit, and that banks were just relatively cheap. Um, heard a lot of calls for especially even the regional bank side. Um, real estate and material stocks, slightly higher than the S&P 500 return this year, but we've got consumer discretionary, technology, healthcare, all have returned lower than the S&P 500 so far this year, but still positive. Staples and utilities, though, Rob, down, you know, three and a half to four percent for the year so far. So we're really kind of seeing a little bit of rotation, but it's only been in the last couple of weeks into yeah. some of the what we call value areas. It's interesting to know that I keep talking about the rotation story. And yet yesterday, like both everything did well. It's like there was no rotation yesterday, but a couple of days before that, there was some rotation going on. And. It, it makes for interesting headlines, to say the least. But one of the things that you just said, staples and utilities lower 3 to 4%. Are those areas that we look – is value going to work here or is it going to be the the plays on interest rate sensitivity that plays here or is it going to be the buy on the dips that plays here? People are going to have a lot of questions. Well, I think you see a little bit of both of that. I mean it's definitely a, an interest rate sensitivity play. Um I mean, I was just looking at Pepsi down about 10%, I think, or so since January, but it's you know, still a fairly high P ratio, but it's a consistent dividend uh, payer, right? So yeah. people are, it's this constant look at the bond market versus the yeah. stock market. And where a lot of people are going with their thinking, Rob, is that, okay, I can get a 10-year treasury for, you know, under 2%. And if I buy that 10-year treasury from the U.S. government, I'll just get my money back in 10 years plus a low income versus stocks that are yielding almost the same. And the idea that will these companies be worth more in 10, 15 years if you hold them for a long term? And most people are thinking that that's the case. So that's a big theme, obviously, still for 2021. And that is that uh, stocks, you know, are attractive for the long term and they pay almost as much as a 10-year treasury in many cases in terms of their dividend. That's right. That's right. So do you think the trend holds up? And I'm sorry, I'm lingering on this a little bit, but energy and financials, the play has started. It's massively outperforming in the first two months of the year. Does that play out for the rest of the year? Do we turn it into a midterm investment or a long-term investment? Or do you jump on the, sh- the short-term momentum? Um, any clues on how you think? Because we have massive stimulus coming. There's so many trends that are like positive for all things stocks. Um yeah, I, yeah. It, it's question marks, right? And they're good question marks. So, like, I'm smiling when I'm asking you the question. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of disruption in supply and things like that that okay. are causing the energy stocks to go up. But there's also an idea that those that are producing are going to be able to charge more because there's going to be a lot of laws coming out that are against fracking and other areas. So, I think there's still um, reason yeah. to own there. Okay. Uh, financials, if you look at the price momentum necessarily, it's okay, but it's really the price to book uh, 
of these stocks are relatively cheap and are they're doing better than than people think. So I still think that there's some play there. But yeah, you've got to say, okay, I'm going to take a pause here because XLE is up 32% in the last two months. So it's not necessarily like you dump all of your money into it right now. We we are just it, the, some of the bigger things though are still most managers, most money managers. If you have a, a balanced portfolio that you tend to swing one way or the other, a little underweight in stocks, a little overweight in stocks. Most are still overweight in stocks. Okay. We have a massive amount of stimulus that already occurred. Another round that's going to come. Yep. And so huge. If that all sticks, it's really vaccinations versus mutations. That's what I keep saying is that okay, we've got these vaccinations going, but how are these mutations going to play out? That's the one thing that we all don't know. Absolutely. Now, some more themes of 2021, higher rates and inflation. Inflation's never fun to talk about on radio. I've never found a good way of talking about it other than say, when we were a child, things were cheaper like Coca-Colas. Um, how are you looking at inflation right now as far as a story and as far as portfolios go? Any thoughts on building it into your portfolio or not necessarily your theme of the year? Well, no, I think a good way to hedge against inflation is to have commodities exposure. Okay. Um, you know, basic materials and things like that. But the whole idea of inflation is that things become more expensive, typically because of higher demand that's out there. And the higher demand means we're building things and you need materials to build those things. So it's a little bit of inflation is really good. Deflation is not good over time, but a little bit of inflation in that normal range is just healthy. Goldilocks. So, and that's, it's healthier for banks and everything else. Absolutely. Um, home prices going up 10%. Not like my income went up 10%, but a little inflation is good. But like you said, it's, we have to be constructive about it. Um, we got about a minute and a half in this segment, but I'm going to keep you around for another segment. Anything that you want to close this segment with as far as content goes? Uh, we're hitting a lot of themes for 2021. Yeah, and we can maybe continue a little bit on, but the- – sure. Most money managers are constructive on small cap stocks, but let's face it, I mean, the Russell's already jumped 13.8% uh, this year, Rob, and I've wow. been talking about how attractive they were since the big correction back in March and April. And a lot more positive comments, again, um, in the last couple of weeks on emerging markets. We've got a weaker dollar and cheaper stocks over there and, and higher revenue growth. So emerging markets up almost 8% for the year, outperforming the S&P 500. But I wouldn't say yet that there's this major transition from growth to value. I wouldn't play that theme yet. It's really only been the last two weeks where tech yeah. pulled back and financials and energy jumped. So not there yet. <laughs> that happened to be one of the weeks that took a couple of days off. I love it when transitions happen when I'm on other duties. Um, you can find CFP Chad Burton right here, Tuesdays and Wednesday mornings, 6 a.m. You can find his podcast at chadburton.com. That's ch. A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N, chadburton.com. He's going to stick with us for another segment. Stick around as more Chad Burton on Rob Black and your money coming up right around the corner. Sponsored by EP Wealth Advisors. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
for Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I know you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I've been working pretty closely with CFP Chad Burton for many years, and sometimes I sit in on his show. His show is on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. here on AM 1220 KDOW, and the podcast can be found at Chad Burton. He is much more smarter, for lack of an intelligent phrase, uh, when it comes to a lot of specifics, a lot of the day-to-days. I'm more big picture wealth accumulation. I think he's better at wealth management to put it in simple terms that we could all kind of agree with. One of the notes that he sent me this morning was the XLE is up 32.6% for the year. And he's so right what he said, Rob, it's only February. So two months and we got a 32% gain in energy. Financials are up 13%. When I was a young wee lad, I didn't grow up in Scotland, but when I was a wee lad, um, I would open up the business section. You know, I was trying to read everything I could get my hands on. And uh, financials didn't move 13% in a year. So 13% in two months is, is loco. Real estate and materials are slightly higher for the year. That makes sense. But yet real estate prices are up 10% year over year. <clears throat> if we're going to go out and buy a, a property in the United States. Consumers discretionary, tech, healthcare are all lower. Tech has been a big winner with the pandemic as we bought more devices and 5G rolled out. Uh, to simplify it, we're working from home. To me, tech has been a play on let's replicate everything we have at the office and basically purchase things that we didn't need to purchase, but we suddenly found ourselves in the neat, in the position of purchasing. Um, so consumers, discretionary stocks, tech and healthcare. Healthcare, again, aren't we in a pandemic? Aren't we going more and more to the CVSs of the world? And the answer is yes. And the stocks aren't working, which again tells us that sometimes conventional wisdom is not the right way to approach Wall Street. If you were to bet on how last year played out, I wanted to bet that. If you were to tell me going into the year, there's going to be a pandemic, what do you think is going to happen to the stock market? I would have been like, not good things? Because I'm predicting not good things in the economy. And it turned out to be the exact opposite. So be careful on conventional wisdom. Um, <clears throat> let me send a quick text. Chad's trying to call in right now. You can find him at Chad Burton. Dot com phone lines are down. So some of the notes that he sent to me to talk about are things along the lines of what do you do in stock market right here, right now? There's to be capital gains taxes to consider. There's to be tax changes. There's a lot of headlines on cryptocurrency and Robinhood, which I can't wait to talk to him about. Coinbase is filed to go public. People are feeling left behind. They're trying to catch up on those kind of investments. Um, that's where people make mistakes is when you get greedy or fearful. And a lot of the way I see people approaching investment right now is I don't own Bitcoin. Should I buy Bitcoin now? I have $5,000. What should I buy now? And the way to invest properly is typically to look more big picture and to boil it down. Um, that's 
my thought, but that's not always the correct thought. So we're having some problems with the phone, and we will get back to CFP chat version as soon as we can. One of the things I saw yesterday come out of Disney <clears throat> is their lineup for Disney Plus for the next six months. <clears throat> and it's pretty competitive with Netflix. Now, Netflix has a movie coming out once a week. They've got big series like Stranger Things coming back. We don't know when, but it's coming back. So sometimes that product lineup, for instance, Disney Plus, some of the premieres that they have coming up is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier in March 19th. They get the Mighty Ducks show, which again, okay, maybe I'm not going to watch that. Maybe I'm more of a Star Wars nerd. And then I see, ooh, May 4th. Ah, cute, right? Disney's using May the 4th be with you. Star Wars The Bad Batch is going to premiere May 14th, High School Musical, the musical series complete season two or something along those lines. Um, I'm like, ah, it's kind of boring. Like, they're showing us stimulus and things that can catalyst move the stock. For instance, June 11th, they're going to introduce a series on Loki. And you're like, Loki, okay, isn't he part of that Thor Marvel universe? Yes, 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 yes. People love the character. People love the actor. And somehow they got the actor to say, yeah, I don't need to be in the movies. I could be on a TV show because it's Disney. Which is, to Disney's credit, is they're getting Ewan McGregor to play Kenobi for a series called Kenobi. Which is uh, based on Obi-Wan Kenobi. But they're getting a legit actor to do it. I see that in July they're going to have a Turner and Hooch TV show. Which I'm like, okay, wasn't that a uh, – what was that? Was that late 80s, the early 90s? Tom Hanks, he's a buddy with a dog and they solve crime together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. Do we get excited about that one? Do they get Tom Cruise? Uh, not Tom Cruise, but Tom Hanks? Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is Tom Hanks. That's when your career has gone down. Anyway, um, Disney has shown us what's coming up. Netflix shows us kind of the same idea. Wall Street is heavily product-driven. Yesterday, I did a, just a really quick story on you're not going to get a PlayStation 5 until the fall of this year, of 2021, even though it was introduced in the fall of 2020. Sony has come out and apologized that they didn't have enough supply for demand, and they also messed up. One of the interesting things about their mess up is that there was a lot of demand that they couldn't meet, and yet bots somehow bought all their product. And it, bots, bots bought all the product from NVIDIA, video game cards that cost 600 bucks that are being resold on eBay for $1,000. Um, so the big thought on NVIDIA and AMD is, did they learn anything from this lesson of Sony and Microsoft not being able to meet demand? And there's a lot of thought right now that in the future, Sony and Microsoft and AMD and NVIDIA, because they make product that's so sought after, cutting edge video game technology, that maybe instead of giving it to the Best Buys of the world where a bot can suck it up or a Walmart where a robot could go bleep, 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 and buy 100 of them before you could even punch in your credit card number. And then suddenly that, what you wanted from Walmart's being resold on eBay with a huge markup. 
there's a big question. I, I love this. This is the thing that I love about Wall Street. It's Darwinian. Why don't they sell it directly to you for the first year in the first place? Why doesn't Microsoft say, okay, if you want an Xbox Series X, let's screw retail. Let's take Best Buy out of it because bots are going to win that war. Not you, the consumer who loves it, but robots. And then the, the markup, and you're going to be mad at Microsoft. Like, why did I pay for $1,000 for a Series X when it's only $600 at Best Buy? But there's none at Best Buy, right? <clears throat> so you kind of cave into the pressure. So here's the question. Here's the dilemma. And I, I see retailer direct to consumers. They're asking the question in the magazines and the trade magazines that I read. Why not just sell it to you? And Microsoft could say, hey, if you want the new Xbox, put in a bid and we'll give you. Why not have them become the eBay? That's a good question. The companies that you know and love, like the Microsofts and the Sonys, would directly benefit from the markups instead of the middleman who has an algorithm, who has a bot trading it. But the big losers would be companies like Best Buy, Fry's, who just went out of business. It would be the middleman, the GameStops, who suddenly don't have any supply because they weren't able to handle their supply falling into the hands of robots. I, I don't like saying the word bots. For some reason, I want to say uh, algorithms. I want to say anything other than bots, but I guess bots is the right way of saying it, right? <clears throat> So there's a big question in the future when there's a new product out there that has a heavy amount of demand, interest in it, and limited supply. Now, again, the Microsofts of the world and the Sonys of the world made a mistake of not having enough supply, but they're blaming it on, well, there was something called a pandemic. And our suppliers in Asia who might have made like discrete semiconductors, our suppliers in Asia who might make the video memory uh, the DRAM, the VRAM, the, all the little semiconductors that go into those consoles and into those video cards, that there was a disruption. Now, again, it's almost miraculous that Apple had as good of a quarter as they did because they didn't have a disruption in the supply. They were ready for it. Microsoft and Sony, they weren't ready for a disruption in supply based on the demand that was going to be expected, and they couldn't deliver. So they said yesterday, this is going to last a whole year. That's good news and bad news. If you're a maker, if you're an investor in video games, it's a good news because people don't have the new consoles. And once they get the new consoles, they want three to five titles. They get the first title, and it could be like that Valhalla game where you're playing a Viking. And you're going around chopping up people. And you're like, ah, I've chopped up enough people for the day. Now I want to play a little hockey or a little soccer. Both excellent titles for the new consoles. And then you're like, yeah, I want something spooky at night, so I'm going to get the medium. So when you get a new console, which they're not going to get in the hands of people until the end of this year, 2021, it's like the vaccine. You're going to have your vaccination before you get an Xbox. Who would have thought that? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. In the arms of a fallen angel crying next to me, and I knew her well. And you took me to hell and back out many times Can I walk away from you? Open up my eyes like a one-way jacket Everyone is taking me at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Do what you say. I'm Rob Black sitting in for Rob Black. Listen to Rob Black, money. 
NCFP Chad Burton on for a segment today. Today was going to be his glorious return to the airwaves after a year of pandemic and a lot of changes. Chad's working on a new podcast. Um, he's a little different than me. It's like me and Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger is a better way of saying it. Charlie Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are old friends, business partners who've worked for years together, and they don't always agree. And there was a big story yesterday about Charlie Munger saying, yeah, Warren kind of got tired and bored of Wells Fargo, and he, he moved on. And he's like, that's okay. We're not cut of the same – we're not the same exact person, even though in history we have been very similar. They both work at Berkshire Hathaway. They both are responsible for some of the greatest investments of all time, and they said we're slightly different. I'm not saying I'm Paul McCartney or John Lennon, but that's kind of the vibe that Chad and I have is we're a little bit different, but we think in the same way. And I don't think we always get along or we don't always see it the same exact way. But he's got a lot of great content, including retirement guides that you can find. He's got a great podcast you can find at chadburton.com. That's the easiest way of saying it. Um, if you go to the EP website, it's a little bit more difficult to navigate and find at this point in time, but that's all going to change the coming months. He's working on a new podcast. I'm working on a new podcast. You get the idea. There's some good stuff coming. You can find him at chadburton.com. Um, it's funny cause we get along really well. He sent me some notes and some of these notes are fantastic and he's got some really good downloadables, but he wrote me a note. He's like, Rob, Talk about your mother dying. And like, I don't know how many people in the world have that relationship that you can say, hey, your mom died two weeks ago. Let's talk about it on air. But that's the rules on this show. And that's the rules on his show. Everything is fair game. My mom passed away. It was tragic that she passed away from COVID um, in a nursing home by herself alone Fortunately, in her sleep, there's a lot of positives, a lot of positives. But when a parent passes away, we all go in, we scramble. I, I'm scrambling even though I do this for a living. And you learn about the urgency of Social Security, about funeral homes, about writing checks, about stresses. Of uh, My mom was receiving a pension. Now what do we do? My dad died 25 years ago, but my mom got his pension, which was it, it, probably the best thing my dad ever did. And again, this is how dark the show gets at times. My dad died of cancer before he was 60. That screwed me over because to die before 60 is a big negative in the world of life insurance. They don't want people dying in their 60, in their 50s. But my dad did, 58 years old. So I probably shouldn't give out that information because at some point in time, you're going to hack every piece of information that I give out and turn it into my passwords. Um, but that's the fair game on the show is I have to talk about my mom. If I'm going to talk about your mom, I have to talk about my retirement. If I'm going to talk about your retirement, my retirement's looking ridiculously good whenever I want to pull it off. And I'm embarrassed by that in in a world where I see a lot of people struggling. I'm like, Phew. so I'm going to have a lot of big questions on my estate. How much of it do I want to go to my children? How much of it am I going to want to go to charity? How much of it I want to be repositioned as society. How much does the government take from me? Fortunately, my mom, enough estate planning had been done through the years that she didn't die with a big tax liability. Although, get this, she died in 2021. So we can't settle our estate till 2022 when we pay taxes. Guess who's knocking at my door asking about money? My brothers. How much did mom have? How much is in the account? How much do I get? When do I get it? 
So having a good financial planner in your world to help with some of these issues is awesome. EP Wealth, who you've heard more and more on the show, does a lot of cool things. One of them is estate planning. One of them is financial planning. But we're going to talk about that more on the show in the coming months and in the coming years. Um, I am dedicated to getting on from EP Wealth uh, financial planners who specialize in women in investing. Why do I want women investing? Because my mom lived for 25 years after my dad died. How, do, do women have different financial plans needed than men do? Yes. I happen to marry a beautiful, healthy woman. I am not beautiful, nor am I healthy. Um, I stay up late. I get up early. Um, that type of lifestyle will take me down before her. So I need to plan for her to live 25 years longer than I did. Now, I'm not smoking. I'm probably not going to die of lung cancer like my dad did. But you get the idea. I'm going to bring on some great guests for you in the future, including CFP Chad Burton. If we're to go bigger picture here, um, I think Chad and I both agree on gather gathering assets. We're hunters of our society. We want to buy a little bit of stocks, a little bit of bonds, a little bit of real estate. Now, when you buy stocks, bonds, and real estate, you also are not only gathering assets, but you're suddenly a hunter who's picking up liabilities. So when I go out and hunt for my, my cave, they're like, hey, we have a hunter. I don't need to hunt. So I become a liability. They need me. Um, as an asset, but if I die, who's going to put food on the table? So we can make great stories and great investment ideas and, and learnable lessons. My dad was a great hunter. He set up a pension for my mom. He, he continued to put food on her table for 25 years after he died because that pension. Now, pensions are going away. So we have to do it ourselves, and that's where CFP Chad Burton comes in, and he does the wealth management, whereas I do the wealth accumulation. And again, trust me, he does a lot of wealth accumulation too. Annuities are always big questions for people because they almost sound too good to be true. You get lifetime income, and what do I have to do to do the, earn this? Well, in my dad's case, it was a pension that he earned through going to you know two tours of Vietnam. It was a pension that he earned through working for the United States government as a division of the United States Army for 30 plus years. Death is an interesting thing. Wealth accumulation is interesting. Wealth management is interesting. But we have to find the stories that make it less about interest rates and inflation and more about people in our real lives. Stay tuned. There's some great content coming down the road from CFB Chad Burton and myself. You can find Chad at ChadBurton.com. You can find me at RobLackShow.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.